God is good. Amen. You know, uh, just to make a comment on the Dead Sea Scrolls, it, it, is, um, it is one of the lines of inquiry and proof for the scripture. It is not the only one. Um, we, it's, uh, imagine, and you can kind of compare it to other belief systems that you have in the Dead Sea Scrolls found in the 1900s here. Uh, not, not here in the Americas. Um, sorry. But um, imagine 3,100 years later. 2,700 years later, finding documents, you know, from shepherds um, hidden in, a, in, in their, um, in, in the caves, in the Qumran caves. Uh, all of a sudden you get these documents and you compare them to what we have today. And like Drea said, they're the same thing. And it, when I, in my Bible software, I have um, portions of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I can just see it in, in line with the text and just see exactly where it is. And, you know, like the Quran is a contrast, or even some of our local faiths here, you don't have any historical archaeology at all. We have almost 6,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. Imagine them from different places, the Alexandrian text, the Byzantine text, the majority Texas Receptus, you know, the Masoretic text from the Hebrews, and the Septuagint, the Greek Septuagint, the Hebrew Bible translated into Greek. We know that it's good. For one thing, Jesus quotes it. That's what he quotes. And it doesn't matter how many empires have been there and ruled. We still have the word of God. Do I hear an amen? Amen. And so it's awesome to know that it's been unchanged. And uh, and God God is still good. God is still God. And uh, so I rejoice in that. Um, You know, we, we were talking today about, you know, the gentle voice of the Lord. And I was reminded of Elijah and... You know how when God, he comes running to God after running away from this uh, uh, queen that has got um, Jezebel, who is, he's just scared of her and her husband Ahab because they've brought destruction to the, his, his, Elijah's family and um, fellow comrades, uh, prophets, and he's running all the way to God. You know, I don't know how many miles he ran, but he ran a long way. And then he shows up to God and he starts complaining to God, God, this all this stuff is happening. And God gives him lightning bolts and then he fire and all this kind of stuff around him. And he's like, yes. And then all of a sudden he hears God's quiet voice. And that's how God is sometimes where it's like, you know, I have the capability to growl like a bear and bring down the heavens. But let me whisper something to you. God could have showed up in all kinds of ways, but instead he shows up like a dove. And Eric said, let there be light, and there was light. You think that's the electronics, but it's the glow when I speak. It just emanates from my presence. It's a shirt from Kohl's that my daughter got me for Christmas. It's the Christmas still ringing. I'm kidding. My jokes are great for second graders. They just don't get any better if you're above that age. <laughs> Lord, let these scriptures come to life. Lord, this is is as we are uh, this week and next week concluding this 10 scriptures that will change your life. Lord, I pray that you would really open our hearts. Lord, that we would, Lord, listen and absorb the scriptures that are in here. I, I know that sometimes there are scriptures that we've heard and we think, I've heard that before. Lord, but I, I don't want it to be a knowledge lesson or a memorization or understanding the concept or even trying to be obedient to it. Lord, I want rhema. I want revelation from on high to open up my soul. I want, I, I want the, 
the word to incarnate itself into me. Lord, I want the transcendent power that comes from a heavenly place and I want it to be infused into an earthly power. I want it to overcome my sinful nature. I don't want to deny my own weaknesses, but I want you to change me by your power. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, there are some that know how to ask this and some that don't. I pray that you treat us the same. Lord, that we can be filled with your life according to your goodness. Thank you for your mercies, your tender mercies that are new every morning. And Lord, that you're on our side in greater ways than we can ever imagine. You are good. Will you just tell God he's good? Just tell him the truth. He doesn't need to be built up. You're saying it for your own sake. Just say, God, you are good. You're faithful to me. You look, you go ahead of me. You act on my behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I was studying this week and, you know, I shared with first morning, uh, first uh, service this morning that, um, you know, I could tell this week I had an anxiousness and I couldn't identify what it was. It was like a deep anxiousness that was, uh, I don't know, stirring me up. I felt like my blood pressure was going up for no reason. And, and I was thinking, huh, what's, what's stirring me up? And, you know, those times you can entertain, try to entertain your way out. Do you ever do that? You try to entertain your way out or just engage yourself some way to get over it. But I could tell like the Lord kept telling me, and there it is, you know, drive a little further or walk a little further or sit somewhere. And God goes, there it is. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what is it? And then quietly in your, in your heart, you you, and this, and this is such a sad thing to say. You, it, don't we turn to everything else but God sometimes? Like you don't know it. It's not like I'm turning to some false idol. God, I'm going to turn to this idolatry. It's just that I don't realize what it is. And then as slowly as, as God starts to open my heart, he starts to reveal the source of my anxiousness. And he started showing me that, you know how, how you feel like sometimes you have a lot of plates spinning? And it's kind of like he's going, you're starting to take control of them. And it wasn't like a lesson he may have taught me 10 years ago where I'd be so spinning plates where he'd have to like, you know, almost grab me by the neck to go, hey, it was, it was a different time of my walk. It was, Eric, you can let go. It's okay. I got this. And it was just quiet my spirit. I go, okay, Lord, that's right. You got this. You got this. It was a reminding, Lord. And it was, instead of my earthly fears, I went to a heavenly thought. God is in charge of my life. It, it started with the first scripture, and I'm just going to go through a quick reminder. Is it okay if I remind you of where we've been? Because I think it's helpful, especially when we're within a series. And we're going to, we have one more week here, and then we're going to an, an awesome series. It's just a great scripture that I call the Tender Commandments. People are afraid of the Ten Commandments. I promise you, the Ten Commandments are there for your benefit. And I promise you, God will open your eyes to it. You will leave loving the Ten Commandments. I promise you. Can everyone say trust? Trust. I said this, you can put your trust in something. You can put your confidence. Some of you have your hope in the Broncos right now. And, and, you know, how many have their hope in the Broncos? Oh, see, this is guy, you've got the dilemma. I want to be a fan. How many rooting for the Broncos? 
Boy, that is a sad crew. You know, I, by, by the way, if someone has seen, seen my Facebook page, you have Peyton Manning's Christian testimony on the page. And you also have um, Russell Wilson, the quarterback is a very, on the Seahawks, is a very on-fire Christian, for those you might not know. He's not just a church attender. He is a someone who is walking with God and is very kingdom-minded. But I'm still not rooting for his team. <laughs> How many are rooting for the Seahawks? Okay. Ushers, lead them out. There shall be no green next week. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All the teams I rooted for have been beaten and bloodied. Like the first three weeks, they were out of it. Oh, and three. <laughs> Those are all my teams. Yeah. But listen, we're going to put trust in somewhere. And we know a sporting event's going to be fleeting. And the snow's going to be, the weather's going to be sleeting, um, and which puts um, the Seahawks in favor there. But trust, what do you want to put your trust in for life? Guiding you. You want to put your trust in yourself? You want to put your trust in your spouse? You want to put trust in the family unit? You want to put trust in our church organization? Or do you want to put trust in the living God? That's why it says trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? With all of it. It's, it's, not a, it's not an insecure God going, I need your trust so I can feel better about being God. It's God's going, you can give it all to me, I can handle it. This is what I do. He's been God. He's a good God. You know, he never went to God training. Right? He didn't go to Harvard. Right? He is before all things. He is the supremacy. Right? And in Christ, the fullness of the deity dwelt in bodily form. And he went to the cross and he paid for us, allowing the freedom of the spirit to now live in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And this is him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, etc. Can I hear attitude? Attitude. Boy, this is such a great lesson for Christians. Isn't it? And it's not, it's the attitude that says, I can do all things through Christ. This is not a, I'm going to lose or it's really hard. Yeah, of course it's hard and times are difficult, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a confidence that the Lord would have us have, have us have. Yep. Can I hear the word courage? Courage. Courage. This is an awesome one because you know you're going to face things that look big. They're fearful. They're things that you'd rather shrink back from. And it's the one thing that, you know, the one thing that you're afraid of, the one cliff that you don't want to get near where God says, if you want to grow, go. And you're like, any other thing, Lord. You know, any other thing. Like, I'll do that. Of course you will. Because there's no fear there. It's where fear is residing that courage has to overcome it. And I love this, and I mentioned it for the last two weeks, but it's important. He takes Joshua, God does, after Moses has already told him several times, and he says, be strong and courageous. Then God, it says, brings him before the clans and the families of Israel. Imagine the thousands of people there. And God singling out Joshua and in front of them all says, be strong and courageous, Joshua. 
enter into the land where the kings rule. And we have kingdoms and kings that have set themselves up in our life from our past that God's saying, tear down the walls. Amen? Come on, how many are facing kings right now? And the Lord is saying, embrace the battle. Okay? Don't cower. Don't shrink back. Engage it. Yes, you don't feel like you're equipped. But trust me, there is satellite gear. There is communications happening all around you. God has good tactical advantage. Amen? And this says, be strong and very courageous. Wherever you go, wherever you set your foot, you set your foot in the land that you need to capture. Set it up there. And don't set it like this (laughs) and someone throws you in there. I'm talking about, all right, I'm taking a step. There is a scripture that says stand firm. But there are scriptures that also say engage. And sometimes you just need to engage. You face the fear. Trust me, when I was a, when I was a drug addict, that's exactly the opposite of what I do. Because I didn't know how to do it. I'd face it and it'd get worse. How many know what I'm talking about? And so I'd go, well, I'll just get stoned. <laughs> I feel better. Then you wake up and that same king and tower is there. Then I became a Christian and I remember all of a sudden you see the joint there or you see the weed or you see the crack pipe there and you're going, or you see the, your health consciousness that you're crazing, but God's telling you to learn how to love your family. Whatever God's telling you to face and he says, let it go. And then he says, now engage, watch the victory come, courage. And then Genesis 128, multiplication. It's the first command that God gives to a created being that's made in his image. He said all kinds of things to the angels and he commanded them. They were there and rejoiced when creation happened. They were there in the transcendent place with God. But when he commands us, his first one is fruitfulness. Be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. Jesus says it the same thing. I come that you bear much fruit. There's a multiplication in, within the context of righteousness. Righteousness has a multiplication power. You do the right thing, not because you just choose the right thing. It's because of the fact that God has changed your heart. Amen. And then all of a sudden you see the right thing and God says, do it and you do it. And then a ripple effect of righteousness happens in your life. You go, how did that all happen? I just did this. And God goes, because there's a multiplication factor in what I do. You think God is like wimpy? You think like when God said, let there be light, he goes, I hope there's light. And then he goes like that. God's command carries out into the universe. It carries into the transcendent kingdom. The earth is his throne. And the Bible says that, that, I mean, the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. There is a power that God has and a dominion that he has here. And I, I made the joke earlier. He doesn't have his feet, you know, on the earth. He's saying this is the place where it's treaded out. He walks with us. How many say amen? Say it with me, multiply. Turn to someone and say, God wants you to multiply. He really does. Hey, how many are stuck right now? Raise your hand if you've been stuck. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Multiply. Be fruitful. Listen. Listen. Look up at, put your hand up again. Put your hand up. Be fruitful. Multiply. Okay. I come, Jesus came that you bear much fruit. He wants you to be fruitful. 
Amen. Receive the goodness of God. This is not name it, claim it. This is believing the truth and the promises of God. That's what it is. I believe what he's saying. I believe the truth. Can everyone say love? Love. We talked about this, the, the classic scripture that everybody knows. For God so loved the world. How did he love the world? He gave his one and only son, his begotten son, right? It's the, the magones is the word, the only one. There's another scripture says for the father, you know, the one and only has come who is at the father's side and has made him known. And this God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. Do you think when Jesus was preaching that, that people thought when they left, I got eternal life. Imagine when he's talking to Mary. And he, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes me shall never die. And he goes, do you believe that? And she goes, I do. I believe you. How many? Just raise your hand and say, I believe. Okay, but keep your hand up. Can I just tell you something? You, you're not going to perish. L- listen to me, really. You're not going to perish. And you have eternal life. He, the eternal life is in you. How many say Amen. This is, this is not heresy. This is truth. This is what Jesus preaches. I go with Jesus every time. Amen? Amen. Can I hear the word devotion? Joshua, after all the conquering and stuff that they did in the land. And, and if, if you were here when I did, went through the book of Joshua, you might remember that he came to a certain place where... There was this one family clan who had an inheritance, but the enemies were still doing wicked, really wicked things in their area. And they came to Joshua and they said, hey, can you go in there and beat him up for us so we can have our land? And he looks at them with almost a shamefulness. He goes, the Lord, didn't he promise it to you? And they go, yeah. And he goes, now go get it. Go get it. And they were like, you know, do you ever have people who come to you and they go, fight my battles for me. And we want to come alongside one another. Amen. But there's a time where you have to step up. Amen. And this is where the devotion of your heart leads the way. It leads it. And that's where he says, he goes, if you want to serve these gods, because you're afraid of them. And that's what, you know, you're afraid of them. Then you're serving them. God says, fear God, but you decide, I'm going to fear them. I'm going to fear this. I'm going to fear the economy. I'm going to fear where America goes. I'm going to fear politics. I'm going to fear everything. God's going, why not make life simple? Fear one thing, God. Right? This is good. Amen? It's the keep it simple, stupid, or the keep it simple saint plan. He says, as for me and my house, what are we going to do? We will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I hope, father, mother, I hope that you've made that decision for your house. I hope that everybody knows in the house, not like an ogre, but like a leader, that you've instilled it. This is what we do in our house. As for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. Amen. And today, I'm going to talk about an important concept called kingdom. You can really put it kingdom priority. 
I'm going to focus on the scripture, but I'm going to precursor it to it. It's one you've all heard. And I'm going to ask you to humble yourself and just listen to it with fresh ears. Can everyone say, seek first his kingdom, his kingdom. This is a little different than trust. Just trusting your heart is confidence. It's seeking what it's seeking. Letting his kingdom come and his will be done. I'm wanting that. This is the word. The pagans and the non-believers and the doubters are going to serve all kinds of things. And they'll get what they are seeking. And it'll be empty. But it says, us, we seek first the kingdom. Amen? And this is what I'm going to be talking about today. So let's start off with some introduction into the scripture. Let's move our way into the text so we have some context. Okay? Can you say with me, do not... Do not. There's a bunch of do nots in here. They're not written as commandments. It's like a friend turning to you, but this friend has eternal wisdom. And Jesus sitting on the mountainside saying, hey, don't do this. Don't do this. It won't help you. It's, he's saying, don't store up. Don't, you know, hoard. Don't, you know, gather together like a bank. It says, don't store up for yourself treasures. He's not saying don't make money. He's not saying, I don't want you to make any money. Because we know that God wants us to, in in 1 Thessalonians, to, to be in business and to be effective. He's not saying that. But you're not doing it with an earthly motive. I just want a boat. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a boat or whatever it is that you're desiring. But be kingdom minded. Amen? You know, uh, so he's saying, don't store up, don't bank up, don't get what you need and then make this big old thing that you could just store and store and store, you know, things on earth, earthly things, things that won't matter. It's where the moth and the rust destroy. You know, if you have different translations like the New King James or the English uh, uh, ESV, you'll see different translations because everyone's trying to find an English para, uh, uh, um, equivalent to, to the meaning here in Greek, but it's things that exist and are eaten away. They're, they're torn down. The word moth isn't specifically in the text. It's just saying like in your closet, things... If you leave your closet alone, you don't come back in a year and go, wow, it's more ordered now. Do you? What, what starts to grow in there? Dust. You, where'd the dust come from? You know, you can leave something in there and it just, it just seems to tend to disorder the laws of physics. You know, second laws of thermodynamics for living things or heat and energy and chemistry. You know, they decay. Usable energy decreases. You know, these are common laws of conservation. Well, what happens in the kingdom, it's the same thing. You start to store earthly things that you think are going to gain, and it goes little by little by little. In, in our old house, you know, in California, we had a friend who was living with us, and he said, hey, um, I need to start getting work, and the way I get work is I do work on, on the house outside, and people see it, and then I start to get jobs because they see the work I'm doing. Can I do a job for you guys? And I said, sure. And so he started working on stuff, and it turned out everything takes twice as long, costs four times as much. But when it was all done, I, I walked in the kitchen, and I went, check out this color. 
looks awesome. And then six months later, I went, kids, be careful for the paint. Remember, we painted this thing. And then a year later, it was kind of like, what happened to that nice paint? There's like a little chip over there. Where's, let me touch it up a little bit. And then two years go by and three years go by. And pretty soon you're going, we need to paint our house. What's wrong with our house? How many know what I'm talking about? Things, earthly things tend to decay. You know, as a great theologian once said, he said, there's only two things that are going to last. You know, God, God's people and God's word. So he said, spend all your time in putting God's word into God's people. Because that's where your greatest investment will be. How many say amen? Listen, it's where moth and rust destroy. It's where thieves can break in and steal. What I have and what you have internally, a thief can't take. He can't steal it from me. It's kingdom things. But he can come in, a thief can come in, he or she, and they can take your television set. They can take your laptop. They can find your hidden hard drives. You know, they can find the stuff that you're, you know, your revolver to protect yourself. They can take those things, but they can't take what God has given you. Amen. Okay, let's finish up here with this, this part, this introduction. Store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. There's that movie, The Matrix. How many have seen that movie? Okay, in the Matrix, basically, this artificial intelligence that man creates little by little takes over the world. Okay, I think that's going to happen. I'm just kidding. You know, I'm just kidding. But this artificial intelligence starts to take over, and they take over the humans as a sci-fi movie, and it was built around the concept of the Gospel of John being born again. Uh, The the Coen brothers who who made it um, basically gave that um, description. And so what, what happens is, is they, they hook up the humans so they can take the heat from these humans and then they give them a, because they can't let the humans stay still, they won't just stay still and be used for a heat energy. So they give them this computer animation in their mind that to them perceives, it looks like reality. They're living what looks like and seems like reality, but really they're just connected to this pod. And then if you follow the movie, there's these two pills that are given them and if you take one pill it's going to wake you up and all of a sudden you're going to realize that you were just walking in this grid this made-up world called the matrix i don't know if you know this but the kingdom of heaven has been around for a long time it's older than america did you know that it's older than europe amen the kingdom is not only a perspective, but Jesus said, unless you've been born again by a spiritual being, reborn, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, before we find God, we are a body, we are a physical body, and we have a soul, and that soul is inhabiting this body, and it's running. Your brain isn't your existence. This soul is running the brain. But you don't have the Spirit of God. He's out there, but he's not intimate with you, and it's because, like you and me, we have sin. The Bible says when we're reconciled by Christ and we put our confidence in him, the wrath and the judgment is removed from us, and now the Spirit rebirths us, 
And the Bible says, you must be born again. The wind, the spirit moves like the wind. You don't know where it's going and where it comes from. Don't you ever want to just lasso the Holy Spirit? You need to start doing what I'm telling you to do. And the spirit goes, I'm going to do what God's telling me to do. Right? God, the Holy Spirit. He works in us. He is the eternal life within us. We live by this perspective, a heavenly kingdom perspective where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not bring, break in and steal. Colossians says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You know that we're seated in Christ in the heavenly realms. How many say amen to this? This is an awesome thing. And then, and then he says, he says, and I love this line. It says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. And I thought, this is such a great heart locator. People are going, I'm not sure where my heart is. Where's your treasure? That's where your heart is. That's what Jesus is saying. You just, you look where you're spending. You look where your, your passion is. That's where your heart is. It's where the treasure is. That's the locator. That's the GPS. How many need a little bit of adjustment? Come on, be honest. Okay? So where your treasure is, there your heart, heart will also be. I, I want to give you a kingdom, uh, Old Testament parallel here, uh, Psalm 37, 4. He says, take delight in the Lord. That means, let me give you some advice. King David is saying, take your enjoyment and your pleasure, and I want you to put that in the Lord. Instead, instead of your own thing, take your delight, put it in the Lord. And it says, he will give you the desires of your heart. There's two ways to interpret that. One is you, you say, he just gives me now whatever I want. But no, he's giving me the desires of my heart. Amen. Thank you, Lord. When I delight in you, you give me the desires, the wish, the want, the yearning, the enthusiasm, the craving. You give it to me. To crave the right things. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And I love this. And he will act on your behalf. How many need God to act on your behalf right now? Come on, right now. Right now. Listen, step back. Commit your way to the Lord. Get your enthusiasm in him. He's already working in the future. He is the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham and that. And he's also the God of eternity right? Eternity future, eternity past. God is. He is the I am presence at all places. He is awesome. Amen. Those who thirst and hunger for righteousness will be filled with that spirit. Amen. And I put on 624. I'm just going to read this one quickly because we've already, I preached on this about maybe four or five months ago, so I don't want to spend too much time, but it says no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Look at his, his parallel. You, you, you look at where you're going. Look where your treasure is. Look where your heart is. It's going to be seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about those things. I got those things. When we serve mammon, we serve ourselves or we serve a fear, you know, and we serve unbelief. God can take care of us. Amen. And, and it's, it's important. He'll be devoted. He'll be loyal to one or the other. And, and, and listen, we all have this weakness. It's not like I can sit up here and go, man, I don't have any, any of these problems. I'm just preaching to you to let you guys know. 
No, God convicts me through these same scriptures. Where's your devotion, Eric? Where's your confidence? Where's your, and he's constantly refining me. How many, how many know, know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, so here's what he says. Verse 31. So do not worry. This is Jesus' advice. Don't worry. Saying, and look at it, it's provision. What are we going to eat? How are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to take care of things? How are we going to take that vacation? You know, what, what, what are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? What's our clothes here? And then he makes this statement that I hope you get. He says, it's, an, it's not an insult like, you know, the pagans do this. It's just an obvious thing. Those that have no conception of God, of course they do this. They are God to themselves. They provide for themselves. They protect themselves. They have to fend for themselves. What a pathetic effort. Look at the universe. It's crazy big. And you're it? That's your hope? You're in trouble. I can kill you. There are a dozen people that can kill you. You are... It's dangerous. But I, I actually have the Lord guarding my life. And if I die, then I'm in the, I'm in the timing of God. Amen? Listen, the pagans run after these things. They run after them. They chase them. Their mind is earthly. They are providing. They're building the shelters. Oh my gosh, what if the economy? I'm not saying you can't be prepared. But fear cannot be your counselor. Fear is always the worst counselor, right? Do not fret, the scripture says. It leads only to evil. That's how that psalm that I just read finishes. Don't fret. It leads to bad things. When does fretting ever help you? I was fretting the other day and all of a sudden it was good. The fretting was good. No, fretting made your attitude bad. And then your kids saw it and they started fretting. And you go, why are you fretting? Because you're fretting all the time. That's my example. <laughs> you know, if you watch, if you're seeing your kids walking around grumbling and fretting, confront the person responsible and find a mirror in your house. Amen? And confront them. Don't be afraid. They're not as bad as they look. <laughs> Listen, I want you to see the paradox in here. The pagans run after all these things. Listen, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows this. It's not like God's going, and I want you to chase after it, and I don't want you to have it either. Welcome to the kingdom. You know, Jesus says in another statement, he says, you know, he says, he goes, some, you know, some you have to divide from family or whatever, some hardship. And he says, and anyone who's left father, mother, brother, sister, he names all these different circumstances. He says, will not only get these things in this age, but on the age to come. I thought when I first read this years ago, I thought it would say something like this. If you, you know, turn after me and, and over these other things and he names all these things that he's going to say. And someday when you die, you'll get some cool stuff. And I'm like, Lord, I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> right? How many are impatient like I am? Uh, you, I just get impatient. Come on, how many of you are lying right now? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand if you're lying. Okay, I thought, I thought so. 
says that he'll take care of these things in this age and the age to come. How many say amen? The the Lord is saying, you know, it's kind of like, I love Jody and she loves me. But there was a time in our relationship before we got married that she was really important to me and, and vice versa. We were important to each other. And I remember the Lord telling me she can't be before me. And I called her up and I broke up with her. I heard a sermon on idolatry and I thought she was too important to me. It was too close. How many know what I'm talking about? And I called her up and broke, broke up with her. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I go, that's your manic depressant husband. And, and what, what happened, what ha- what's so funny about it is, is that when I let her go, then God said, from now on, I'll be number one. And I'll teach you how to love her. I'll teach you how to walk with her. Then it changed. Everything changed. Jody is awesome, but she cannot be God. Right? It's not like it's the Trinity and then Jody. Right? It's the Trinity and then it's Billy Graham and then it's Jack Hayford and then it's, it's Jody. <laughs> then it's the Partridge family and then it's the Brady Bunch and then it's the Flintstones all at the bottom. Listen, the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father can just say it with me. Say, my father knows. He, he's not blind. I was talking to someone after first service and they were saying, sometimes I don't feel God. And I was thinking, yeah, that's true. It's not because God's leaving. I've walked with the Lord for a long time. Yeah, I, I, do you know that there's some lessons that you learn by close emotional feeling and some you don't right sometimes god takes some junk in your life it's like the old burning away of the the bad minerals and you you heat it up and as you heat it up it rises to the surface all the junk and then you just take that scoop and you scoop all the junk out and it gets out and god is raising junk up in your life and you're going this is ugly man And if you got the wrong theology and you think you're saving yourself, you know what you're going to think? I'm not saved now. Look at me. But if you understand you're saved by the work of Christ and not your own work, you'll see the junk and you'll go, Lord, here it is. I see it. I surrender it to you. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me with your hyssop. Clean me. Wipe away the chaff and the dross from the heat and remove it. How many say amen? Say, my father knows. Say, because I need it. He knows that you need it. That's what he's saying. Jesus say, don't, please don't run after it. It won't help you. It's an earthly thing. Don't run after it. Yes, work, but don't work unto man. Don't work unto the pay raise. Work unto God. Have a heavenly mindset, whatever you do. And then he says, and here's the scripture, but seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness. Whose kingdom? His kingdom. Whose righteousness? I see a lot of Christians seeking their own righteousness. A lot of Christians. What are you doing? I'm just trying to get more righteous. And they'll tell you what they're doing to get more righteous. I think you should spend some more time seeking his righteousness. You know what happens when you look at the holiness of God? You realize how unholy you might be. Right? 
You don't, but you know what's awesome about the holiness of God is as you come toward the holiness of God, whether it's his word or an experience, you recognize the holiness, but instead of just being overthrown by your own unholiness, in contrast, you feel the love and mercy of God that is transforming you in the midst of his holiness, his kingdom, his righteousness. He's on your side. How many say amen? Amen. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let me tell you how the religious people would answer. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And trust me, you're not getting anything anyway. Wait till heaven. You just got to suck it up. Look at this. And can you say with me, all these things will be given to you. Say it with me, will be given to you as well, as well. This is good. This is, this is the God who is kingdom minded. He's the one that's drawing us near. I'm, I'm going to share a story, you know, uh, that I shared in first service. I'm just going to read this last one. Put the last slide on there. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. What are you going to let tomorrow do? Let it worry about itself. I told you about the anxiousness that I felt. And I couldn't quantify it. And Jody said, she goes, you're stirred up. You're nervous about something. I go, I know, but I don't know what it is. And it's kind of like, sometimes you don't have to figure it all out. But God did. He pointed pointed out to me that I was trying to take control of things. It just There was just a few situations I could tell I was trying to control it because I was trying to help God out. <laughs> that always works out well in the end. <laughs> and then the Lord was telling me that I needed to keep working, but I needed to ease up my intensity so that he could be steering it in the right direction. And tomorrow, it'll worry about itself. You got enough stuff today. Trust God with it. Amen. Uh, There's a a scripture that Jesus quotes. I'm going to read it to you because it's not there. But Jesus, at the end of his ministry, before he's going to his crucifixion, he spent now three years with his disciples. Three years with Jesus Christ is a pretty long time. Day in, day out. They were a clan. They were a rock band on tour living in the bus. Right? You know, sleeping side by side, pass me the Nintendo. You know? It was that kind of life. And they'd seen all kinds of things. And they had, you know, as well as I do, reading the scriptures, they had stupid questions, right? They were trying to, who's going to be the leader when it all boils down, right? Isn't that just like any business, any people going, who's in charge? You know, Jesus going, it's the servant. It's the kingdom minded one. It's the one who dies. He's given them all the opposite answers. And then at the end, he tells them, he says, I want to tell you guys something. And I love this. It's a concluding thing. It's what your parenting should lead to when, if you're a father and mother. You should lead toward friendship. But don't start with friendship. Start friendly, but be a mentor rather than just a buddy. And he says, now listen. He said, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business, his kingdom business. You didn't know about the kingdom. Now you do. So I'm not going to just call you the servant anymore. Is that, how many think this is pretty radical? This is Jesus going, you're not just the servant. And he says, 
Instead, now I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Do you know that Moses was called a friend of God? And I'll tell you, I I experienced this in my own life. When I was on a mission many, many years ago, uh, I was doing mission work in Europe. And we were doing evangelism in Holland um, with a really great leader who's a leader over many nations and just a really dynamic leader in evangelism all through Europe. And he was going to speak that morning and we were living in tents um, and then doing evangelism at, during day and during the night. We would go into any local city. We'd set up rock music and start doing worship. And then we'd preach the gospel and people would come from all over to hear us. Not just the music, but we shared the gospel. And we've seen people come to Christ. We've seen Muslims come to Christ. We've just seen amazing things. And uh, one morning, I was just having my quiet time with the Lord. And, you know, I wasn't, I had been walking with the Lord for a little while, but I was really asking the Lord, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying the best I can, Lord. I was kind of having that mode with him. And I had this quiet time just by myself, kind of, you know, a little bit outside of the group. And have you ever had those times where you're talking with God and all of a sudden he's just is talking louder than you've heard him in a while? That's what it felt like. And he said, he said, he whispered, it was like whispering in my ear. And he said, he said, Eric, many call me Lord. And he says, but you call me and I call you friend. And I just thought, Lord, because I feel like, do you see me? How many know what I'm talking about? How could you see me, Lord? Where else am I going to go? I want to follow you all the days of my life. I don't care where it leads. And then we got back into the meeting and there's just this big crowd of people and the speaker comes to the front and he points me out and he says, hey, I need you to come forward. I feel like God's given me something for you. So I'm like nudging the guy next to me. He wants you to come up. (laughs) It's kind of like me. Okay, so I start walking up there and I get up there. And, and, he, and he comes over and he puts his arm on my shoulder, okay? Now, you know, it's kind of like, even at that point, I, I, God was still bringing a lot of deliverance in my life. And so I don't necessarily want some guy putting his arms on my shoulder, looking me in the eye. How many guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. And so he puts his arm on my shoulder and he looks me in the eye. And then he leans forward and he whispers in my ear. And he said, the Lord told me to tell you that many call me Lord. And he says, but I call you friend. And I broke, I broke down. I broke down. And then he gave me a hug and he said, there's been people around you that like a, that he says, your God made you a stallion and they want to put the rope around you because they want to pull you back. They're afraid. And he says, but the Lord said, run hard. I made you like this, not a rebel. I'm a man who's under leadership, under authority, not in a hierarchical way through friendship and mentoring. But God said, run strong. Be a person about the kingdom. How many say amen? Amen. amen. Why don't you close your eyes and I'm going I'm to have you respond. I'm base camp leaders. Base camp is a discipleship ministry that we have in our church to help you get in community and learn how to walk in these ways of the kingdom. Those leaders will be here and you can come to them at the end or they'll come up to you. 
and just invite you to be a part of just really a mentoring, coaching thing that helps you grow called Base Camp. Father, I thank you that the kingdom is at hand, that we want to see, that you say the kingdom is advancing and forceful people, forceful men, women, they take hold of it. (coughs) Excuse me. Do you want to take hold of the kingdom? I'll give you an opportunity to respond to God. You know, when I was talking, I can, if your heart was stirred, not just by me, wow, I really liked how, how he shared, he communicated. Please don't give me more credit than I deserve. The Holy Spirit was working in your heart. And he was stirring you up. And you sensed a higher purpose, a higher calling than what you've been living. Don't deny it and pretend like you're farther than you are. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Just be yourself right now. Answer from the heart to say, I need to be kingdom minded. I need my, I need revelation from God. I want to be that person who is a kingdom mover shaker. Or maybe you are a kingdom mover shaker, but you sense that the Lord is saying, there's so much more for you. Don't be content with who you've been, but grow into who God's making to you, making you into being. If that's you, don't look up at me, but I don't want you to give a wimpy raising your hand. Raise your hand up high. Raise up the other hand. Just both hands and surrender to God to say, Lord, I'm about the kingdom. Just say it to him from your words. Say it, explain it to him. Explain what you mean to him. That you want to be a follower, that you want to be the kingdom-minded person. You're not into the religion, you're into the kingdom business. And Lord, we come before you. We surrender ourselves. We acknowledge that you are the God of the kingdom. The king of all kings. Lord of all lords. God of all gods. Lord, because all the gods of the nations are but idols. And Lord, we praise you. We surrender to you. I pray, Lord, that you'd advance the kingdom around us. Not church as an activity, but kingdom things that you're doing. The invisible things. Move in the men of God right now. I can tell God's stirring. I can tell just spiritually that God is putting armor on some of you invisibly. He's putting it on you. And it's like, put this on. You need protection. I'm bringing you into the deeper battle. It's not battle where chaos reigns and you end up losing. It's a battle where you end up winning at the end. Embrace it. And the women of God, God is inspiring you. You don't need to be trepid. You don't need to walk uh, in fear. The spirit of fear and timidity is not from God. It's your own soul. It's the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of the air. Embrace the leader, the powerful person that God has made you to be. Embrace it. If you're a couple, let me encourage you. Love each other. And find the power that God has given you in marriage. If you're young, ask God for hope. Ask him for strength. Ask him for discernment. Just admit to God that you don't know as much as you think you know. And give yourself an openness to be instructed by him. We're a culture that mocks you when you don't know everything. Instead, just embrace God's mentorship and let him disciple you. Let him coach you. 
And Father, we praise you. We thank you that you're in charge. Lord, I know that I'm going to be talking about eternity next week. I'm so excited. I want to preach it this week. But I thank you and I pray that you would move in power in everybody here. Help us to get connected to the discipleship. One last thing. If you need the forgiveness of God, I was preaching it and talking about what Christ did. Or you need a reminder of that forgiveness that God forgave me. That my sins are really forgiven. Jesus paid for your sins before God. And that's what matters. And you've been walking in guilt and shame. You've been walking in the consequences of your sin. And you're saying, Lord, I need a transformed life. I need you to take over my consequences. I need you to remove, Lord, um, my own ineptitude. Whatever it is, you know what it is where you've fallen short. If that's you, just look up at me. I want to agree with you in prayer. Look up. I want you to look at me because I want to agree. Anybody on this side? Amen. 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 Anyone that I missed? Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Anybody over here on this side? I got amen. Amen. I see you over there. Amen. Father, you see these ones that I'm agreeing with right now in prayer. You say two or more gathered. I call out that prayer right now. And I say, Lord, I come in agreement. Lord, as someone representing also the life of the church. Father, I say, be cleansed in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive the forgiveness. It doesn't matter how thick, how long your list is. The forgiveness and redemption of God is solid. It is solid. You have no idea what a big loser you have on the stage up here. But trust me, take whatever you thought and multiply it by a few hundred. And you'll imagine that I've been redeemed by a lot. And the same forgiveness can be given to you. It's because it comes by God's goodness and his work, not your work. So just say, I give up on my works. And I put my hope in Christ's work. And then you say, Christ, begin to work in me. Teach me now to walk in your ways. I don't know how but guide me. Guide me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.